0: You are listening to the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, and this is episode number 43. This episode is brought to you by The Fear Guide, seven steps to silence your fear and take action. If the chorus of fear is regularly singing you out of your dreams, you need to grab this short read jam-packed with exercises that will help you quiet your fear long enough to take the next teeny tiny step. You can grab a copy by visiting (laughs) thefearguide.com. Welcome to the Pimp Your Brilliance Podcast with Monique Malcolm, a show about creative people leveraging their brilliance to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the chorus of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast. Hey, Star Chasers, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance. I am your host, Monique Malcolm, and this is a show for creatives and side hustlers who want to make a living through their creative work. Sometimes it's just me on the mic sharing bits of my journey and actionable strategies for you to try out yourself. Other times I'm interviewing amazing creative entrepreneurs that have leveraged their own ideas to create their own opportunities. Today, I have an interview for you. And my guest is Janetta Gonzalez, who is a Los Angeles based designer and artist. She's a lover of pattern, color, and design, and she works as a surface designer, graphic designer, and an illustrator. With degrees in fine art and graphic design, she began her career as a graphic designer working in design firms and corporate companies such as WebMD, Mattel, and the Disney Store. She later parlayed her digital and fine art skills into surface design working as a textile designer and style guide designer for consumer products. And now she's recently opened her own store selling products with her own illustrations on it. So she does quite a bit of things in the graphic design world. And in this episode, Janetta is sharing with us how she got started as a graphic designer after obtaining a degree in fine art, how to overcome creative blocks, and three ways to get started with art licensing. So if you're ready, grab a pen and a notebook and let's dive in. Hey, Donetta, welcome to the show. Hi.
1: Hey, Monique. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to have you, and it's been a long time coming, so I'm extra excited to have you, because I've been trying to get you (laughs) on the show for a while, and I know you've had a lot of different things going on. It's good to be busy so I am really interested in hearing your story, especially since I, you know what I realized as I was doing some research on you to figure out like what I wanted to ask you about. I was like, I've met you several times in person and we've hung out, but I don't really know that much about like your background besides the fact that you do art. So I'm excited to be able to dive in a little bit more into actually some of the other stuff that you do besides attend cool conferences that I also attend. <laughs>
1: absolutely yeah
0: happy to share awesome okay so let's kind of take it back a little bit give us a bit of your background tell us who you are and how you knew that you wanted to become an artist
1: okay my name is janetta gonzalez um i am an la-based artist and designer and uh, my background let's see it begins I think I've been I've been doing art and creative work since I was a kid. Um, I think I just always knew because it's just always what brought me joy, Um, and my parents encouraged it, which I think is a big, big part of that. Um, Especially when you have parents that, you know, give you crayons and paints and things from a very young age and just you know want you to play with them and uh, make stuff so as long as I can remember I've always been doing that. For me it's it's always been there. it's always been a part of my life. Um, I left the East Coast and I came out west to UCLA and I was in the uh, fine art major in the art department. Um, I just wanted to have fun with what I was doing and I didn't want to have to make art that was so deep and that was so me. <laughs> <laughs> it was like I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. And so what happened was um, they had a design department there. And this and I'm ancient, so this was <laughs> early
0: nineties.
1: <not> <laughs> oh, honey, I, I am a lot older than I look. So we're talking early nineties and um, they didn't have graphic design then like they have now. So I found out well, I knew they had a design department, but the design department was it was pretty lame. Um, there weren't that many people in it. There, were, it wasn't much to learn. Um, I, because I had looked into it, and everyone said, "Don't do it. Don't do it." <laughs> so um, I don't even know what they were doing in the design department. It wasn't much, but about I think it was like late in my junior year, I found out that they got funding to put a computer lab in, and they were gutting one of the galleries and they were putting computers in. And they had all these instructors coming in that were they were teaching Photoshop and, and, and design, like proper design, which was really just kind of starting at that time, uh, computer digital design. My heart literally leapt out of my chest when I heard that, because that's what I knew I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to work on the computer in a creative way. And it was too late for me to transfer. You know, I, could, I'd max out, I would max out credits. Like, there's no way I could do it. So I just decided at that point that I would revisit it later after I graduated and find another way to get the training I needed. I moved to San Francisco for a few years, and I started working there. And in graphic design, I got a few different gigs at small firms. And just starting out, then it was competitive. It was the dot-com bomb, uh, early 2000s, and it was a really tough time to find work. Um, So I moved at the wrong time. But, but, you know, I was a survivor. I did it. I made it. I got some fun jobs and I learned a lot on the job and, um, ended up just where I worked for a WebMD. I worked at Merrill Lynch for a little while as a product, uh, as a presentation designer at WebMD. I did, um, more like marketing materials and, uh, traditional graphic design corporate stuff, and I and then I worked for a couple of small firms I had I bounced around in the beginning but it was great because I got up to speed so quickly and I worked under some people that taught me a lot of tricks and things I still use to this day and then it's just kind of always been a graphic designer I would say since then it's been like 18 years that has been my I would say the bread and butter of what I do i worked for a lot of corporations, and again, small businesses bouncing around from advertising to consumer products to toys. And uh, I worked for Mattel for a while, and that was that was a really fun job. I worked as a Barbie packaging designer, and I met some of my really good friends there that I still have today, and my boyfriend. I met him there. Actually, when I was in San Francisco, I found out about surface pattern design, and from attending a craigslist ad about marketing your artwork and i and i was living there i was really just trying to find lots of creative communities and, and classes and things i could join because i just moved and i didn't know i really know a lot of people and i went to this one thing and this woman was talking about marketing your art and she was an art agent she approached me afterwards and asked me if i'd be interested in um her repping me at a trade show in new york that You could go and uh, basically submit—not sorry, not submit—show your artwork to companies who would then put it on products, um, on their products, and license your art and sell it for like two years or whatever, and, and it would be in stores. But this is like back in the day when it was like a very something nobody really knew about. And she took my work to the show. It didn't sell or anything. But um, but it was my introduction into this world. And it literally took me 10 years later before I was able to do it on my own and go to the show. Because it had stayed with me and it was a thread in my life, you know, it was calling me.
0: So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So you, you started with the art licensing, but what are some other ways that you make money as an artist?
1: Yeah, okay, so graphic design. Again, it's still been a big part of my life. I do a lot of branding. Um, I've always done logos. Um, I was doing that, you know, at the jobs that I had um, and packaging as well. And I was doing surface pattern design, too, at some of my jobs. So they would have me make the pattern that would go on the bag that would be sold to, like, Clinique or something like that. You know, we had – one job I was at, we had – we were working with a lot of consumer products. So because I knew how to make patterns, I was the go-to person for that, right? Like, oh – make some art that they can use in their campaign for this product that's coming out that's going on this thing or that thing so that was kind of neat so i make money through a few different things it really varies and that's what i love about what i do because it's always interesting it's not just this one note kind of thing um so i do graphic design still people still have me do marketing materials for them i do for artists a lot too i have a few artists that I've worked with that. You know, they need postcards, they need logos, they need their website I've worked on. Um, I have a, a nonprofit actually just recently that um, calls me and I do the illustration for their conferences. So it'll go on their swag, you know, their t-shirts or their bags and things like that. So I'll illustrate that. They'll have me do um, also just more marketing materials for their shows or their trade shows. Um, I don't do as much of that anymore, but I still do. But this so branding, I still love to do, and I, I, you know, I do a lot of hand lettering, so I love it when I can use my hand lettering on a logo or some kind of branding or packaging project, as well as the surface pattern all. Like, especially packaging, it's one, it's one. Uh, thing that it all kind of comes together all my skills come together on and i also so an aside from the graphic design i also license my artwork on products so i'll you know through the doing the trade shows um and submitting my art to companies or just building relationships with them they um you know for instance will ask me like oh christmas coming up what do you have christmas designs you know and then we'll work together and they'll pick some and it'll go on the products and Hopefully, you know, we'll get a deal and it'll go on their products and be sold in stores for, you know, over a certain amount of time. It's usually for a term, like a two-year term, they'll have the art or a three-year term. So they're just licensing it for a period of time and then you get royalties based on the sales. So I have several companies I work with uh, that I receive royalties from. And I also uh, occasionally will coach artists. Um, artists will come to me with questions um, about their work, their career, their stuck, whatever it is, and I'm so happy, and it's so rewarding to help them, and whatever, you know, I can guide them on and support them with, I do, and, you know, I, I'll do critiques, I'll look at their work, I'll, I'll help them get into art licensing, um, or I'll just give them, or do a consult consultation on how to do it. I've also coached artists on surface pattern design, and where we do one-on-one classes, and I help them understand the process and the approach and we they'll come up with a small collection working with me I'll teach them about the business all sorts of things you know things that i know how to do so whatever artists need um that they see that i can help them with uh i I definitely love doing that and then uh really i'm also started selling my own work too on my own products which is really exciting and that's a long time in the making for me it's something that i've wanted to do for a while but i think i was i just life happens or I've been distracted with this or that. And, um, I just said this year, I'm doing it. I'm going for it. So I just launched a shop and, uh, I've been sourcing products and making my own things. And I, it's, that has been extremely fulfilling and rewarding to see kind of your brand come together, you know, uh, all your artwork come together on products and live in a collection of, on a website and be able to refresh that and make it you know different and, and for, for whatever season or the market or whatever holiday or it's just been really fun and I do that for other people so it's it's nice to be able to do it for me and um I think going back to my art school days I was trying to find my voice then and I didn't find it in my art then and now through these other ways of like selling my own art and putting out my own products and now I'm finding like this is all kind of coming full circle circle now like this is the way I want to present my art to the world this is how I want to show my art and my in my voice in a more commercial way and in a less fine arty way and so it's been it's been a journey (laughs) but but it's but it's been really cool to see now in my old age now to see how it's all fit together (laughs) and how it's all unfolded and Everything I learned along the way is now in my toolbox now and I can help others with it. I can use it for myself. I can, you know, just grow and expand on what I have. And it's been it's been really fun. I, I, I really and this has literally happened, this realization's really kinda of happened in the last okay couple of years. Um, and more so in this last year. So
0: at this point because you you said you got started like in the 90s when there wasn't as much as we have now like in terms of graphic programs and even just like social media I know uh, I started doing things online in 2008 and the landscape is like completely different 10 years later so with your work being so highly visual and just being in like the spaces that we're in with all of the noise and stuff that's around us, how do you refuel your creativity and your inspiration?
1: Mm. A lot of ways. Um, I think one way is actually, I think everybody should take a break from social media. Um, I did this year and it was extremely helpful. Um, I think there's a lot of noise on there. There's a lot going on. I'm overstimulated by it quite often um, because it is, a marketing tool so you have to be i feel like i have to be on it posting and interacting and engaging and all of that and just keeping people up to date so that can be overwhelming and that could drain your energy so i find just getting off of there every now and then or even just taking a day off or you know or just not thinking about it for a while <laughs> that that helps a lot it just frees up brain space like nothing else and then also, I do a lot of, um, I'm pretty good about self-care. I like to make sure that I, I'm checking in with myself. So if I know I'm feeling hyper-stimulated, overstimulated, tired, burnout, if I see that coming on, I know myself. So I will do what I need to do to balance that out. If it's shutting everything down for the night and go to bed, That's what I have to do. If it's taking a day off and doing something fun, like going to a museum or going to my favorite restaurant or just doing something I enjoy. It doesn't have to be even spending money. It's just just going, doing something fun. Um, That helps a lot. And I love to fuel my creativity also by painting. Lately, it's been painting and drawing things that I want to draw for myself and not for a client. Not for anything else, just painting for painting's sake, because I found myself getting back into painting again. It's a saying, kind of revisiting my art school days when I didn't enjoy painting because I was being critiqued to death. <laughs> now I can just paint to paint and do things that I like and build my skills up and my painting confidence and find my voice within my painting you know it just put on a fun podcast or a TV show I like or whatever it is music and then just kind of get lost in it and that's how I've been learning about my style about what I like to paint about my what I want to say in my work and um I think not putting the pressure on yourself is where that space opens up for you to be able to explore and kind of dig in more
0: oh I love that what about that time when you have like creative blocks or you just feel like, uh, like the ideas aren't coming or you, like you said, you just don't even want to paint or you don't want to create things for other people. Do you have things that you do to help you work through those times?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, um and I tell people this too, cause I have asked me, um, And I think I actually gave a talk about this. I did at one of our conferences that we were at together. (laughs) That's kind of funny. So, um, oh, yeah, I got a lot of stuff about this Um, (laughs) because it happens often. And I really believe that um, that's when you really have to step back. And if you resist and keep pushing forward and pushing into it and pushing into it when you're not feeling something, it's not going to be good you're gonna hate it, you're gonna be miserable, and it's gonna feel like a burden, it's, it's not gonna be something you wanna get up and do in the morning, so you ha- I find you have to kind of just, just do the opposite, do the absolute opposite of what you think you're supposed to be doing. So if you feel like you need to be pushing into it, and like, I gotta solve this, I gotta figure this out, don't do anything, don't do anything. You need that moment, again, to give your brain some space to think. Because I know like everybody has these creative moments when they're not thinking about something, right? When you're in the shower or when you go for a walk or when you wake up in the morning something pops in your head or when you're like tuned out and, and like doing something else is when you have a, a thought about the thing that, you know, it, something will come into your brain and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, right? So you need to let that happen. And... Because if you're forcing it to happen, it's not going to happen. So stop. If you can, you have the time to take some time off from the project, whatever, an hour, 30 minutes, a day, whatever you can afford, take it off and shift and work on something else. And usually in that moment of shifting is when the ideas come or is when, you know, you're divinely guided or whatever it is that comes to you, like, you know, the aha moment or whatever happens. And that... To me, is when that's when I do. I do the complete opposite, and it works pretty much every time. Or I just recharge my batteries. You know, I go do something again that I enjoy, um, and I do. It's doing the opposite, right? I'm not doing something that I hate. I'm doing something I enjoy. So go do something you enjoy. Go play with your dog, your kids. Go, go like dance your favorite song. Go whatever, and it could be five minutes, but it gets you out of your head. And so you're able to come back to it with a clearer head and then you can kind of jump in and, 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 you know, start working on whatever it was you were blocked on. And that, that works. It really does work.
0: Okay. I want to switch gears just a little bit because I know last year was a year that was particularly difficult for you. And I know when I was looking around on your website, you were saying how you, in the last couple of months, I've kind of kind of been getting back to things, getting back to painting. And you even mentioned you took some time off of social media. So how did you weather that time, like uh, dealing with the loss of your mother and the grief that comes with that, but also getting back to art or balancing your work as an artist?
1: Yes, I kind of uh, I give myself time to heal. Um, my mom passed away um, last year and she was 83 um she lived a really long life she's you know we were there with her me my, my brother and sister and i um we hospiced her and um and we were there with her until you know her final day and um it was really hard it was the hardest thing i've ever been through and i'm sure anyone else who's been through this understands um and i did i had to take time off social media i had to take i mean you have to you have to take time up for your life to kind of just heal again and through that time this last year i really didn't want to work i didn't feel like hustling i didn't feel like trying to figure out what the next thing was for me um i didn't want to do anything right so i didn't and i was as gentle with myself as i could have been and i'm really, excuse me i'm really happy that i was um because I feel so much more grounded and just more better, just better about. How, I feel better about everything, like right now, than I have about myself, about where I'm at, about everything is clearer because I gave myself time to heal. Ten thousand things are usually going on in my life, right? So, um, so yeah, this year, this year it was all about that for me and giving myself space to grieve and feel and and you know you do go through all those phases of of grief you really do and as and, and I know it's different for everybody but I know for me I went through like the textbook versions of it and it's like a different emotion every day or every hour or depending on what you were thinking of or what something reminds you of and and it was hard, it was hard, but because I didn't resist, I didn't fight anything and because I gave myself space and I didn't put any pressure on myself to work or that that healing transition was 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 really it was peaceful and it was the way I think it should have been for me. I think if I had resisted or, or tried to keep working or just distract myself with things, I would not be where I'm right now. I would have taken me longer. It would have taken me a lot longer. So, yeah, so this year it, I it, it was about um, just focusing on myself, focusing on where I needed, where I want to go next. It gave me a lot of time to think about things and have perspective on life. I mean, obviously, when you lose someone that's like your mom, someone so close to you, there was this, there's a lot of feelings of, um, of uncertainty, of, of feeling lost, you know, she's, she's, she anchors you, right? Your mom anchors you. So you, she's like, have like energy connected to your mother, right? And when she's not there, there was, there always felt like there was something missing. There was just something, and it's so hard to articula- articulate this, but there's just a lot of, of this emotions you've, you've never had before. And um, so I... It's come almost like you're you're kind of the spotlight's on you now. It's like, all right, what do you do next? Like, where? How do you fill these voids, or do you fill these voids, Um, or do you just let them be? Which is kind of what I ended up doing. Um, And how, you know, how do you proceed from here without your mother in your life? Um, So, it's, you know, it's always it's gonna. She's always, I'm always gonna be missing her. But now for me. I have to focus on myself now. My healing, my life, you know how I'm going to proceed with things. Like from now on, how is this affecting me emotionally, or have I changed? It was. It brought up a lot, and because it did, I was able to get clarity on my next moves, where I wanted to go, and it really kind of gave me, uh, I guess, the strength to like, that I didn't really have before to start pursuing the things that I want to do really want to do like get over my fears get over my worries issues whatever and then just be like okay this is it this is my time to focus on me and and I also had lost my my father four years prior so because my mom had me at 40 well, she had me a lot older in the 70s when women were having babies since 40 right so um so now in my 40s I find myself without my folks and it was. It's been very strange. It's just been something you really again cannot articulate. So now it's like, well, I don't have my elderly parents to take care of. Um, I don't have children of my own, by the way. So it's really all me right now, right? <laughs> and is it, it feels selfish and it feels weird and and it was. It's just you know again. It's you have to face all these things. You have to go through it and and I just kind of accept it that that's how it is, this is my life, and now I'm gonna pursue the things I wanna do for myself. Um, I have this time now to do it, and I'm gonna do it. And I started painting again, I started looking at my artwork that I've done in the past because it had never quite felt like it was fully formed. (laughs) Um, I always felt like there was more I could do, it needed to be developed more. And I think I was always kind of scared to, like, take those moves and really, like, dive deep into my work and into my and where I wanted it to go. And I think I was just doing enough to get things moving and, and working. But with my own personal art, I'm saying, that I always knew I could push it more. Um, and I coach people on that. And it's something I wasn't doing myself. So I faced that. And I took a couple months or, like, six weeks. And I really evaluated my work. And I started making new stuff. I really started looking at blank canvases, blank pieces of paper, which are so intimidating, and just got over it. Like it's kind of like the creative block, right? Like how do we? I just need to dive in and face this fear and do it. And ideas came to me, and I started making new art. And I made this a uh, pattern collection that I absolutely loved, and that's what I'm selling now on products products, my own art, my own art, on pro- my own products in my store. Um, and, um, making more art that I could start, uh, shopping around for licensing deals as well. And I'm really happy with where it's going and where I can see it like progressing from here. This is a great starting point. This is the work that I I wanted to put in for so long and I finally did it. And it's cathartic. It's, um, it's been really therapeutic, um, to do it. Um, I found so much joy and hours being lost at my desk, just designing the stuff. And and I used all my tools, right? I pulled all the tools out of my tool belt. I'm like, okay, this this is like a project for me. This is how do I come out the gates with a new, not a new style, but a more refined style for me that feels more niche down and more um, clear, you know, and focused. So. I just kind of tackled it like a design problem and I did all my tricks and organized my thoughts and made my mood boards and did my sketches and like I went through the whole process and I started designing. I did everything by hand and then I brought it into the computer and then I made it come to life and then I started putting it on products and I have like a baby blanket that I love right now, little some little baby items I've made and I have um, cell phone cases that are really fun and uh, and I also I started making custom art pieces and painting and feeling comfortable like painting for people, which was something I never really, really did much of before. I could, you know, I do, I do it for clients, but I don't really do it for me for just to sell my art. And that and that's a vulnerable place, you know, but it's so I'm facing a lot of like eh, things I've always wanted to do that I just kind of scared to do. And, and, um, and I'm finding a lot of joy in it. And that it's really, it's been exactly what I need right now.
0: I love that. Okay, so one of my big things about this podcast is I don't want to romanticize entrepreneurship or having your own business or being your own boss because I think there's a lot of misconception about what it's like to run a business or be an artist that makes a a living. So I would love if you would talk to us about mistakes that you've made on your creative journey or even some of your current challenges
1: Mm -hmm. okay um mistakes uh oh yeah there's a lot of those um and i I, for a long time i was referring to some things as the woulda coulda shouldas and i think that's a really crappy way of looking at your life now that i've you know, been able to have a clearer picture of things because you're just living in regret, right? And and that's what I did for years. Um, like I said, I had not pursued art licensing on my own because I it was just this big animal, beast of a thing that I thought I had to, you know, to really do and focus on. And at that time, I think I was very comfortable working in, you know, working the nine to five, and actually doing work for myself and putting my art out there and working on this entrepreneurial venture at the time sounded amazing, but it was just like one of those things like, yeah, I don't know. I was just too scared of it. And it just seemed like too big of a beast of thing to do. And that's that for years was my what a could That was my I call it. And it's a mistake. And I don't know. I don't even know if the word mistake is is even a good word to use, because I think we all are just figuring it out right we're all just doing what we're trying to do at the moment or what we think we're supposed to be doing at the moment and we find out later on that okay it could have been done differently it could have been done another way or there is an easier path or whatever it is and i think that's how we learn right so i don't think we're going to grow stretch or anything until we make these quote mistakes so you make them you learn and you you move forward, right? If you don't take any risks and you don't make any mistakes, you're not going to grow. You're not going to move forward. You're just going to stay where you are, um, very comfortably stay where you are. So, I think those uncomfortable moments or finding out that you did goof up in some way, it's just it's all learning. It's all growth, and it's to propel you forward. So, uh, for me, sorry, that was the long, that was the that was the reason behind why I was saying all this, but. Um, I realized it took me forever to do it. So I started taking classes. I moved back to L.A. in 2006 for surface pattern design. I loved it. I met – it was amazing. It was an amazing class. And it wasn't digital. It was all by hand again. And I had this fantastic instructor. And it was his very last class. He was an older gentleman. had been doing it for years. And he was teaching us his methods and everything he knew. And he was this worldly man. And he lived in Europe a lot. And he had all these – amazing knowledge of art and art history and he would teach us this great stuff and i got so into it that he was encouraging people in class to go do the trade show and the trade show that i was exhibiting with you know three years prior to that and he was explaining people how you know you start the show and you meet all you can meet your potential clients there and you get your work out in the world you can meet a lot of people quickly and you build your collections and you just You know, you just—it's a good way to like get started quickly. You know, you're preparing for a show. You're gonna be—you're gonna be ready. And I just was like, I don't have the money. I don't want to do this. It's too scary. Well, I watched my classmates do it, right? And one of them I know I'm friends with still to this day hit the ground running from that class and is very successful and has had what a 12-year career now. and i resisted it so much because i thought i had to spend all this money in this trade show and i had to do all this stuff and i don't want to do it i don't want to do it, it again i was like a what a cut up for a long time until i i it came back into my life in 2012 and i met a woman who was teaching a seminar on art licensing and had wanted people to come to the trade show with her and she was going to be doing this like group show thing and I was like, okay, I get you, universe. You keep pulling me back here. So I did the show. And at the show, again, I thought I knew what I was doing. But, but again, it's another learning thing, right? I get there. I present my artwork. And I still have one of the clients that I have in there is still a really great client of mine. But the work I presented, again, was not great. And I can look back at it and be like, yeah this is terrible <laughs> you know it wasn't well thought out it wasn't good I could see why I didn't get a lot of deals you know and at the time it, to me it wasn't like a missed opportunities I like I, I left the show thinking like oh that was fun it was a good experience but wow I could have done this and I could have done that and why didn't I focus on this don't beat yourself up don't do it because it just doesn't help. I came back to the show the next year a little more focused. Still not as clear as I am now, right? It's just a learning thing. And and, I, and at that time, I thought, like, wow, did I waste my time? Was this a mistake doing these shows when I I don't feel like, you know, I was presenting myself the way I could have or my work wasn't as strong as it could be or whatever these stupid things are were going on in my head at the time? And to me, it was – I felt like it was kind of like a mistake, you know? Um even um even just like, you know, there's things you learn on the job that you think like you're messing up. You know. <laughs> you're like, oh, I didn't think like, I, I did this project right, or it's clients gonna hate it and I wasted my time on this or there's just so I, I mean I can't really get into specifics about that, but you know if as you're working that you just need to let I'm just saying I'm doing I'm talking more broadly. I just feel for everybody just let yourself off the hook. Like really let yourself off the hook because a mistake. It might be a setback. It might cost some money. It might be whatever it is, right? But there's a lesson to be learned in everything, and it's just you're just not gonna do it next time, right? <laughs> you're gonna do it differently next time. Um, you hopefully you learn from that experience, right? And it'll be better the next time around. Um, oh gosh, I I messed up on jobs where the printing was screwed up. Um, I learned, um, as an entrepreneur that, you know, I should probably have had more money in the bank when I went off on my own. <laughs> like that was a big mistake. I think everybody right?
0: like, realized that after the everybody,
1: fact. Everybody, <laughs> right? Like, that's a common one. I think they're all pretty common to be honest with you. Um, that's why I'm speaking so broadly or you know, generally because we all have these problems or quote problems or mistakes and I think we all just need to learn from them and just accept them and move forward because, yeah, I, I've done all of those things. Been broke, I screwed up a job, I didn't know where, um, I didn't, I thought, I you know, I, my expectations were different than the client's expectations and we weren't on the same page. That's happened, especially in the early years um, where I got, I had this one woman I used to do oh gosh when I was living in San Francisco I was hustling I mean I had a regular job but on the side I was always trying to do something to make money or do something fun and I was selling wedding invitations on Craigslist (laughs) because again this is before the digital age we have now and I would put ads up there and people would answer me and I would do them and I do for friends and family but I also every now and then would get someone on Craigslist and this woman um, completely took advantage of me in the worst way like it was i did all this hand painting work for her on these invitations i hand painted every single one i did them digitally like the wording but i hand painted on top of each one it took a long time and she basically ended up getting away with paying me only a few hundred dollars (laughs) and it was awful And we and she was a con woman, like she really knew what she was doing to me. And she took advantage of me from the moment she saw me. And I didn't have any business chops back then. And I didn't do a contract with her. And she didn't ask for one. And she was a lawyer. Get this. She was a lawyer. (laughs) And she was trying to get a lot of stuff for her wedding for free and just nickel and diming everybody. I talked to some other person that later on that knew her. And and it was just a nightmare job, right? And I learned so much from that job that I will always do a contract. I will always be on the same page with my client. I will always make sure I get what I'm paid. I will always get money up front. I will, you know, these are the things that we all learn on the way, right? Um, So that's a perfect example of like, I messed up I actually was really angry about that for a while but I continue to do work on Greg's list. I continue to put ads up and learn from people I mean learn from my experiences that you know how people could be so I need to be ahead of that and make these darn contracts and get get everything all uh, the T's crossed and the I's dotted so so yeah it, it happens <laughs> you're gonna mess up you're gonna mess up and and be, be okay with that like, really be okay with that. I did it, my last trade show, I'm going to be honest with you, not very successful at all. It was, in in my eyes, I, I thought it was a flop. And it actually completely, and I put six months of my life into that show, thousands of dollars. I came out with stronger work, way strong work. I really spent a lot of time, like, branding myself. And and I had a lot of love for my booth, and people loved my work. And companies would come by. That dream companies came by. Nothing materialized from that show. I got no deals, and it was heartbreaking. And it literally it messed me up for a while. I have to say, because it was so much brain power, so much energy that I put into that, and so much hope, and you know, and all the things you just like. Oh, I know, I did this. I'm, I'm coming out. On the show, as myself, as my work, I'm putting my work out there, my heart out there, and then it just flops. And it doesn't flop. I'm not going to go that far because it was well received. The work and the booth and the work I did was well received. It just didn't didn't get a return on investment, right? So I was that, and to me, that was really what I wanted, and I didn't get that piece of it. And I was I consulted with. Art consultants and they told me I needed to work on my art more and I needed to be more niche down and all the things I knew, all the things you know in your heart, right? Like really deep down what you're supposed to do. But we're all just scared to do the work, right? And I heard it and I had a lot of tears and they were right and it was hard to hear and I didn't pursue it for a while. I took some time off. I had to recharge my batteries, I had to replenish my bank account. I had to, if I kept pushing forward, it it wouldn't have been, again, it would have been those situations where I would have hated it. So I needed to step back. I stepped back for a little while, and now I've been, um, I came back at a time now where I'm feeling excited to make work. I think it's, I feel it, and I see it in my work now, and I'm excited about it, and I want to put it out there. That's, this is the place I needed to be working from, not from that. And I learned from that. I learned that I just needed to do more work. I needed to do the work. And it wasn't like, you know, I could have had a better show. And, and it was a lot of factors involved. Like, you know, I had a poor booth placement. It was a lot of things, right? It wasn't – but I'm not going to, like, blame it all on all of that. But there was a lot of factors involved, too, why the show didn't happen as planned. But, but you know, and it, and it killed me. It was like, what is going on, you know? But – and not until recently, honestly, I've been able to take the sting out of that and realize that it wasn't a mistake, it wasn't wasted money, it wasn't a loss. it wasn't, you know, I didn't lose anything from that. I actually learned a lot from that experience. I put myself out there in a big way and I should be really proud of that. I should be really happy that I did it and I did it. And now going into any future shows or any anything else I do with my work, I feel more confident, more aligned.
0: Awesome. At this point, we're getting close to the end of the show. So this is a mm-hmm. great time for us to do the Pimp Your Brilliance Action Challenge, which is you sharing three pieces of advice for someone else who is interested in getting started in art licensing. Okay.
1: Well, I would say if you're if you're an artist and art licensing is kinda of hot right now, it's so interesting to see that happen because <laughs> for years ago when I nobody knew what it was. But so now it is kind of popular and and, and a lot of people are asking me this question so what i say is that if you're an artist and you have a body of work say you're a painter or you do do patterns or whatever it is or illustration work um really think about first number one think about where you see your art in stores what kind of stores do you want to see it in what kind of products do you most importantly what kind of products do you want to see it on so what kind of product category stationery home decor do you see it on gift items do you see it on um, gift you know gift wrap or wallpaper whatever it is really think about that first there's a lot of planning involved so don't just say oh i want to be you know do art licensing and just start submitting your work all over the world i i did that that was a quote mistake in the beginning and i think that that really I I don't think that that's a good approach at all. I think of this is the approach. So really think about what it is you want to pursue. So I would start with maybe one category, two categories. Like I wanna be in greeting cards. Okay, focus, just start focusing on greeting cards. So figure out what that category, product category is. And then start researching companies you can reach out to. Okay, so and how you can do that, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Follow artists that you love that license their work. See where they're licensing and who they're licensing to, the type of companies they're working with. And then you could research those companies. It's always a good starting place because people are already working with them. So great. You know that you could potentially work with them too. Um, look, I go in, we call it inspiration shopping. Go to stores and turn over the mug you're looking at. Find out who makes it. Go online, do some research, see if they actually have artists on their website they work with because they'll post if, like, you know, they work with artists or not. Um, and sometimes they don't, though. And just do a little digging around and you can find out if there's any artists that do work with them. You can also reach out to them and ask them questions if they're if you're brave. Um, some will write <laughs> you back. Um, also, you can call the companies and ask for the art. To, people don't realize this. You can actually, if you can get somebody, like, on a corporate line or the operator or whatever, ask for the art director or the creative director or who's in charge of of licensing, you're an artist, you'd like to work with them. Some companies will actually give you the email address. So if they are companies that regularly work with artists, some do, some really do. So um, don't be afraid to do that research and make those calls. Also follow companies that are licensing, DM them, reach out to them, or just submit to them or find out through LinkedIn or whoever who you could send your information to. So once you get some names, some email addresses, some company businesses that you want to start with, then start making presentations. Start, and this is where I think it's important to have graphic design skills as a surface pattern designer or an art, or somebody who does art licensing. You have to have some kind of Photoshop, Illustrator skills, something Photoshop specifically, because there will be a lot of production work involved. And I just and I do tell fine artists this, that want to license their work. You're more than welcome to go get somebody to do it for you because <laughs> I know people who just don't want to be dealing with that part of it. And I think that's great because they'll just delegate it out because it's not their strong, strong suits, right? It's not what they do. So if you don't know somebody who can, you can team up with who has really good you know, Photoshop skills, they can help you. Uh, but if you want to learn yourself, you know, there's plenty of classes online, Skillshare everywhere that teach this kind of stuff, uh, specifically for art art licensing or surface pattern design and you just need the basic amount of skills to be able to make a presentation meaning you have to put you know digitize your artwork get it into the computer whether you're photographing it or scanning it know how to recolor it or resize it or just rework it into the format of a greeting card or into the format of of the wall art size they want it in whatever it is there is production work involved in that so for your presentation you might want to mock it up Right? You might want to mock it up as a greeting card um, so, uh, or a whole bunch of greeting cards. So just knowing that dig- digital aspects of that will really get you to the next step. And then start submitting. Start sending those presentations out. And the presentations are really like, this is my art on this in this product format, you know, this is like four greeting cards or ten greeting cards for you, for example. Um, if you have more skills and you can actually mock it up to look like a product, so you like you have a picture of a lamp on a lampshade. You know, you put your pattern on the lampshade, that kind of thing. If you know how to do that, even better. Um, go that you can go the extra mile. Some companies don't necessarily want need to see the pattern. I mean, the you re- know what I'm saying. Don't need to see the mock-ups, but. Um, but it does help to go the little extra mile, I think if it's something you really, really want and you really want to get their attention. Why not, right? Um, the presentations do take a while to make, so just be patient and get them done and and the best way you can present yourself in the best way possible. Um, and it's a, it's a long game. It's a long game. So those are the three things. Work, uh, figure out the products you want your art on. Um, maybe pick one category to start with, research those companies that make those things and license. And then make your presentations and get them out into the world. But do remember, it is a long game. So if you get a lot of rejection in the beginning, it's okay. You just keep submitting, keep submitting, keep submitting, keep showing them new work. And uh, eventually something will hit. And and then when it does, it'll just, you know, just keep at it and you'll just keep building your your
0: clientele. Yay. And then my favorite question of the show, books. Do you have any book recommendations, things that we should read or check out?
1: oh yes um i talk a lot about i think in the last year for me especially it's i've had this kind of like inner journey that i've been on so i like to read a lot of books about like personal growth and you know the inner journey right um one i was recommended to me is called the power of joy i got it on on amazon and it's uh the author is nick bro breau, b-r-e-a-u i think it's um it might be yeah, it might be a self-published book. it is fantastic. it's a, not a very big book and I read, I keep this by my desk I keep it with me It's an awesome reminder of how I want to be living my life and it's kind of like a, now it's like a reference book I literally can just like thumb through it and read any page and be like oh that's right so what so basically this is what it says the power of joy a straight up guide to lasting freedom effortless abundance and a limited life and i love that title and he really does go into all those things in a very clear easy to understand way and that's how my friend told me get this book because it's it really just gives you an overview and the basics and and practical ways of doing all of these things and it's such a succinct way instead of reading like you know a monster book on how to like live your life this is like a road map for it and um and he gets into different things like the part i really resonated with is like what's holding you back there's a whole section on that and he breaks down the different types of fears that everyone has and you know as you have a fear of success do you ever feel failure those kind of things and i really resonated with that because the way he explains what those are i was like Oh, I always thought I had a fear of this, but I actually, based on your description, I have a fear of that. Wow, things start clicking for me, you know. And then he walks you through how to, like, you know, recognize what kind of blocks that you have, mental blocks, energetic blocks, whatever that is. And really, he just talks about, like, being happy and getting out of your own way and kind of letting the universe take the wheel and and how to do that and how this all works and, and how to just find joy within yourself so i love this book i think it's it's say, again it's an easy read it's for everyone to read and understand it's not like over your head metaphysical book or new agey like woo woo book it's very clear and um if there's anyone who's interested in that kind of thing this is a good book to start
0: with and if listeners want to get in contact with you where can they find you online
1: you could find me uh, my website, JanettaGonzalez dot com. I'm also on Instagram. You could find me there under my name, or my handle is Net Designs N E T T D E S I G N S. And I'm also on Twitter at Net Designs, and um, yeah, and on Facebook, Net Designs.
0: <laughs> Yay! Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Janetta, and being on the show and sharing your journey and about your healing and. All these awesome things about art licensing, which I think would be really beneficial to several people I know that listen to this show. So thanks again. Oh, absolutely. Thank you.